0: welcome uh, what a week it has been. Election Day Tuesday it seemed like we were going to be electing someone <laughs> all week but uh, we finally have our results and uh, seems like that's if anything we have some finality to it all. So I want to invite you as is our custom and probably very needed today, to join me in taking a few breaths as we welcome the Spirit, into our midst. Let's worship the living God.
1: Welcome to Worship with Westminster. However you have found us, however you are watching with us today, it is good to be with you. Will you please join me now in our community prayer? Let us pray. God, may we be reminded today of the way of Jesus Christ and its centrality in our lives. No matter the events of this day, this past week, this past year, may we continue to labor for your sake and the sake of others. Grant us the mysterious peace, love, and joy your son had regardless of his situation. Give us the gift of hope for our sake and that of others. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, hear the good news. Through Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. We are set free. We are made new. Thanks be to God. Amen.
2: Through the Sunday morning worship machine, I've transported back to my home. And this is our time of discovery for our younger ones. Have I ever introduced you to my friend, Shark? I don't know if I have or not. Well, the special thing about Shark, in addition to being an amazing animal, was that Shark was very good at basketball. She would swim really fast and score almost every time. And one day, Shark decided to teach her friend how to play basketball. Have I ever introduced you to shark's friend? That's brown bear, quite a big bear. Now when bear, brown bear tried to play basketball. Something happened every time. Brown bear had trouble holding the ball in brown bear's paws and shark would come along and steal the ball and swim off and score. Time. And time. And time. And again. Till finally, when the ball came to Brown Bear, Brown Bear just stopped trying. Brown Bear got very sad. And Shark would swim over to her friend and say, but Brown Bear, Brown Bear, don't you want to play basketball with me? But Brown Bear just was sad and didn't want to play. And then Shark realized that Shark needed to do something to help Brown Bear learn how to play. So Shark said to Brown Bear, you know, your paws are awfully big you could try using your mouth just like me. So Brown Bear took the ball and put it in his mouth and went over and scored a basket. I don't know if you could see that, but Brown Bear scored a basket. And Shark learned how to show a special kind of kindness to Brown Bear. We've been talking about what we call the Beatitudes in Sunday School. Different things that Jesus said were blessed. And one of the things that Jesus said was that people who are merciful are blessed. And showing mercy is a little bit of what you just saw shark show. Some kindness to someone else when maybe you could have done other things instead Shark could have kept stealing that ball and not giving Brown Bear a chance, but Shark remembered the whole point was to teach Brown Bear something. So instead of just scoring and scoring and scoring, Shark showed mercy to Brown Bear and taught Brown Bear a new thing and their friendship grew stronger. You'll learn more about this in Sunday School. Go now in peace. Go now in peace, may the love of God surround you everywhere, everywhere you may go. We're excited now to share two videos with you from our upcoming Alternative Christmas Fair, causes that you can support with your gifts this year.
3: I'm Susan Burkhout and Sally Pasternak and I are here representing Women of Westminster with Sarah Mattson who is the Developmental Director at Canal Alliance. And we have a few questions for you. Can you tell us what services here at Canal Alliance are being utilized right now? So Canal Alliance is a nonprofit champion of immigrants who are challenged by a lack of resources and an unfamiliar environment. And we have been in existence for 38 years and provide a range of services to help families overcome the generational cycle of poverty. We're located in the Canal neighborhood of San Rafael and the majority of people that we serve are immigrants from Latin American countries and um, you know they've come here seeking a better life um, to build financial stability and to have better lives for themselves and their children. So the services that we offer. Um, Include immigration legal services, we're the only provider of comprehensive immigration legal services in the county of Marin. Um, and We also offer a range of education programs, um, workforce development, and social services to help people access those. Right now, um, we've really been um, required to step up in a different way to respond to the crisis that's happening in the community. The families that we serve, we found after just the first week of shelter in place that about 70% of the families that we surveyed um, had already lost a significant portion of their income and 50% had lost all of their income, had lost their jobs within a first week. So we've been responding by providing financial assistance, social services to help people connect to resources like unemployment insurance, uh, rental assistance that they qualify for. Um, We've offered all of our programs now are operating virtually, so our immigration services are being offered virtually through a virtual law firm, and even our education programs now are being offered through Zoom. Well, let's hope that lots of people at Westminster will make their donations to Canal Alliance. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you.
4: I'm Trey McLeod, and I'm grateful to Westminster for the opportunity to talk to you about Horizon Community School, a preschool in Marin City, and the organization where I spend most of my free time these days as a volunteer. Four years ago, Stevie Lee and Angie Evans, two teachers at my children's private school in Mill Valley, had a vision to start a preschool in Marin City where they grew up. They knew that if families don't qualify for fully subsidized programs, there were no other affordable quality child care options. Right away, I joined Stevie and Angie behind the scenes to help them realize their dream. Their vision is to give Marin City children an equal start to their education. There are many well-established educational nonprofits serving Marin City, including Bridge the Gap College Prep, where Westminster members have been loyal tutors. Horizon Community School, which starts at age two, is a necessary complement to these programs because all the research shows that starting an education at four or five years old is already too late. The year, Horizon Community School has outgrown its single classroom building. And with any luck next fall, it will move to a new larger campus on property leased from St. Andrew Presbyterian Church, which it just so happens years ago housed the very first preschool in Marin City. What a joy it was for me last June to see radiant young students, the school's first 11 graduates, and their proud parents celebrate a love-filled send-off to kindergarten. They got the message loud and clear that day that their children's education matters. Until preschool is universal and school quality is truly equal, I believe we must innovate. Horizon Community School charges a sliding scale tuition that's greatly reduced for market rate and that our families can afford. And it does this through a mix of public and private funding. So whether you're donating see-through masks or healthy lunches, know that you're helping fuel our students' first love of learning. Thank you, Westminster, for letting me share my passion today. And thank you for the ways that you've nurtured my activism and my outreach into the broader community. For this, I am deeply grateful.
2: As we move into our time of joys and concerns, I encourage you to post your prayer requests on the comments section of whatever platform you're using, if that's an option for you. Otherwise, don't hesitate to reach out to one of us that we might post your request in the prayer chain or be in prayer with you directly. I know it has been quite a week. The election has been foremost on many people's hearts and minds. And I know you join me in praying for our country and its people. I'll say something now that, I don't know, perhaps is strange or at least unexpected. I'm not going to rush into prayers for unity or healing or moving on, not because I don't believe in those things. I yearn for those things, as I know many of you do, but rather because saying those things often has the opposite effect. And I wonder if instead we might give people the room they need to be wherever they are, right now, whether they're excited or they're disappointed, if they're angry, if they're confused, if they're relieved, if they're hopeful, if they're anything in between or something else altogether. It strikes me what makes for a healthy community is not quickly deciding we're all the same again, or maybe for the first time, but rather holding one another in difference and through difference, in giving folks the room they need. That way, I think we move forward more earnestly and sincerely together. Our prayers will go on, and they'll evolve. Now, let's continue our prayer time by lifting up our joys and concerns. I'll offer prompts and I encourage your prayers wherever you are. Let us pray. Gracious when we do pray for this land, for all that have been elected as leaders, for those who were not elected, for those who have given their life for service and for all those who have stepped in to public participation in a new way. We pray for our local government, our national government, and indeed the whole world, election season or not. We give thanks and pray for our families, O God. We pray for our friends and our neighbors, for their well-being. God, we pray for our enemies, those who are difficult for us, those who may even wish us ill. We pray for those who are in need, near and far, familiar and unknown, those in harm's way, those who are hungry, those who are disillusioned, or feel left out. Oh God, particularly in this time, we pray for the sick and those who work to heal the sick, particularly in this pandemic. We pray for our communities near and far We pray for those searching for a home. And whoever we are, we pray now as one people, with one voice, offering the one prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done,
5: for you.
0: said earlier, we just had an election. And while it seemed like we were going to be electing all week, we have our winners, our projected winners. Um, Joe Biden is going to be our new president. Uh, I don't think there were any uh, changes in leadership in our county or state. Um, And if you're anything like me, you have felt a roller coaster of emotions this week. You've felt moments of pride and hopefulness. You've felt moments of Bitter frustration and angst. Uh, I'm in a group text message uh, chat with some old fraternity brothers, all people of faith, and one of my brothers, Co, whom we've prayed for recently. Co, if you're watching, we've been praying for you and your family and your job situation. Co uh, said to us on Monday, he said, You know, we should be in prayer for our nation because no matter what happens, 50% of us are going to wake up disappointed and scared tomorrow. Uh, I don't know if he knew it would take as long as it took to figure it out, but it's true. And what was interesting maybe for me this time, as someone who is very interested in politics uh, and very interested in election results, is many of us felt it shouldn't even have been close. It should have been a landslide in one direction or the other. How could anyone think differently? I think one of the reasons why I've been so interested in politics is because it is a lens into our soul, isn't it? This is a reflection of our values. These are the people that we would have placed in authority over us to write laws that affect everyone, to create policy that affects all of us. These are the people we would put there. These are the propositions or the referendums that we would vote yes or no on that are going to impact not just myself, but all of us. And that kind of result, where you can see how we as people feel can also cause some angst if the person that you've been pulling for, whether it be Donald Trump or whether it be Joe Biden or Joe Jurgensen or whomever, Whether it be Prop 22 or 23 or 19 or yes or no, how can can all of these people get it so wrong? What is wrong with us? Some of us felt a complete release. Like, oh, finally, resolution. The yes passed, the no passed. Biden's the president, my job is now done. I have done my job. I got out to vote the whole hour or five minutes or however long it took. I I did my job. Now onward we go, on with life. The people we place in authority over us, it is a reflection of what we care about, isn't it? I don't know if it's any surprise to you, but I've uh, had trouble with authorities sometimes in my life. Uh, (laughs) I wasn't always a good child, and there were times when the authority figures in my life weren't too pleased with me, and I did not agree with the policy of those authority figures, whether they be my parents or my coaches, my teachers. those authority figures did not altogether agree with me and for what it's worth there were times when some of those coaches teachers and even my parents said you know you're right didn't happen very often especially as a child (laughs) have you ever been to the principal's office do you remember what that's like because that's a whole different level of authority for a for a young person this is a person your parents have theoretically, by way of a school district or school board, have put in authority over you as a child. And I remember my principal, you know, Mr. Pope, he would, uh, assistant principal, he would wear a nice suit. He would walk and not smile very much. He would look at you in the eye. He's a grown man and I was just a young man. And he was someone that had achieved, apparently, He seemed to be perfect almost, and uh, of course I found myself in his office a few times as a young person, and to this day I can neither confirm or deny that I know anything about the dish detergent that was splattered all over the floor of Building 10, thus shutting down the English department. I can neither confirm or deny that I know anyone that had anything to do with the styrofoam peanuts that filled our principal's office from floor to ceiling, in the middle of the night. (laughs) There were times when I was very much afraid of Mr. Pope, and there were times when I suffered, (laughs) as a matter of justice, probably uh, under his rule, and my own uh, misfortunes and deeds that I did. My view of him as authority changed, though, It changed a lot, and it was sort of a a surreal experience. My friends and I were at a concert, and you know, music has this effect on us, right? My friends and I went to a concert. It was a Beach Boys in Chicago concert, and we're getting our seats. We're in sort of row seven, pretty good seats. You know, it wasn't that expensive, and at least not at the time. And the house music was playing, and As we're gathering, I see people are gathering, and you know who's in the sixth row, almost directly in front of me? Mr. Pope. Now, do you remember being a student or a young person and seeing your teachers in public? It hardly ever happens. It's like these people are in the witness protection agency. It's like they only go to school and go home and they never go out into public. But here was Mr. Pope, not just my teacher, but my principal was sitting right in front of me at a concert. And you know what? He wasn't wearing a suit. He was wearing like Bermuda shorts and some kind of a, what are they called? Uh, Like a Tommy Bahama shirt. And he had a drink in his hands. Mr. Pope drinks, dances, wears Bermuda shorts, wears these crazy clothes, and listens to some of the same music I do. (coughs) (laughs) My mind was blown. I have to confess, I did get in trouble after that concert. But the way I looked at him as an authority figure changed greatly. We have spent some time now talking about these roadblocks uh, that are found in Scripture to our faith journeys. And I agree with Rob that I think that, for the most part, these are passages of the Bible that we just don't understand. And that makes complete sense. I want to focus on the first century, the writings of the Christians of the Bible, the New Testament. And how different their world was, how they viewed authorities in their world. Now, long story short, when Caesar, when the first Caesar died, it was said that a comet streaked across the sky and people said, of course, there is Caesar going to take his place at the right hand of the gods. So naturally, Augustus, seeing his father go up into the sky as a god and being his son, says, I am the son of God. And of course, any other child that would come after this, a ruler or emperor that would come after this, would invoke the same kind of language. I am the son of God. I am a god. Therefore, I am to be worshiped as well." There was a lot of imagery used to uh, pursue this kind of uh, worship of a human figure. There were songs that would be played when the ruler would enter the room. There's something funny to me that, I've heard a couple of presidents say this now, that their hardest adjustment after leaving the Oval Office is that when they go into a room, nobody plays a song. They don't play Hail to the Chief anymore. But for the Roman emperors, there would be a choir that would follow them and they would wear white, and, and in particular, Domitian, an emperor I'd like to focus on a little bit more. Uh, he who ruled through the years of sort of the 80s and 90s, he was an 80s kid. <laughs> he had these uh, choirs dressed out in white robes. And so if you saw your emperor coming Down the road, you would see coming towards you this sort of glowing white light with the emperor either in the front or the middle, depending on whom it was at the time. And these choirs would sing praises to the gods. They would sing, holy, holy, holy is our Lord, our ruler. The emperor is your ruler, our Lord, our God. He is a God because his fathers are gods. Is our Lord our God Almighty our Emperor is Almighty because he is at the top of the greatest superpower in their known world at the time holy 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 is our Lord Emperor ruler God Almighty may his reign be Yesterday, today, and forever. This was inscribed on the coins that were used for currency. The face of the emperor. It didn't say pluribus unum on it. It said, may his reign be yesterday, today, and forever. When you sold something and when you bought something, there were no debit cards, there was no Apple Pay, there was no scanning, there was only currency. And every time you used the currency, or when you counted your money, you were reminded of who was to be worshiped. It was the person, the person who ruled over you. There were, just as we have, uh, priests and bishops and pastors that oversee our worship services, they too had priests that would follow the emperor and lead the people in a sort of worship service of the priest. And those priests would have special clothes just as in many churches, including ours, uh, those leading worship wear certain kind of clothing. They only wear in that circumstance, or only wear in religious circumstances. These priests wore special outfits, and among the outfit was these crowns that were made of gold, and they inscribed on these crowns different words to describe the emperors. And they, as an act of worship, they would walk to the altar where the where the emperor would sit and they would lay down their crown as an act of submission to the will of their God and an act of worship and reverence to their God who happened to be sitting right there. This may sound bizarre to any of us today because our God lives amongst us invisibly and sometimes visibly through the effects of us. Jesus Christ was crucified, and we've said that he has taken his seat at the right hand of God, the Father and Mother. Well, what would it be like if God was sitting right in front of you? You know, there were gods that the Romans didn't see as well. They were the Roman pantheon, the Greek pantheon that you're familiar with, Zeus, Apollo and so forth, there were 12 Roman gods, there were 12 Greek gods, 12 plus 12 is 24. There were 24 gods that were continued to be worshipped and then there were sort of sub-levels of demigods and heroes that would be worshipped in their world as well. The polytheistic culture with the emperor at the top. And this particular emperor that I was mentioning, Domitian, wanted to create some imagery that would show you that he was on top of those gods. His father had built a temple in the town of Ephesus, a sort of port city, so that you could see as you were coming into the port or coming through Asia Minor, you would see this temple that had 24 archways, and um, in those archways would be statues of the 24 gods. Domitian, his son, built a statue of himself 20 to 30 feet high on top of that temple he stood on the backs of the gods this imagery was powerful in that day in church tradition now this is of course the first century and christians were sort of growing in the communities particularly in ephesus there was a church leader by the name of john and the people of rome had the governor i think at the time was trying to get rid of this you know sect of people that was upsetting the status quo, this sect of people that would not worship the emperor, that would not submit to all the Roman rules. And they said, you know, we've tried the public persecution thing, we've tried crucifixion, we continue to crucify these people, and they just seem to keep getting bigger. So why don't we try a different tact? Church tradition says that the leaders of that uh, government decided to exile John in hopes that he would just disappear and that community would suffer. Well, don't you know that that John wrote some letters to that community in Ephesus? And would you know that I have a copy of it and actually so do you. I want to read for you from the book of Revelation chapter 4. After this I looked And there in heaven a door stood open, and the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what what must take place after this. At once I, this is John, was in the Spirit, and there in heaven stood a throne. Oh, you know who sits on thrones, don't you? A God. With one seated on the throne and the one seated there looks like Jasper and carnelian and around the throne is a rainbow that looks like an emerald around the throne are 24 thrones. And seated on the thrones are 24 elders dressed in white robes with golden crowns on their heads. Coming from the thrones are flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder, and in front of the throne burn seven flaming torches, which are the seven spirits of God. And in front of the throne there is something like a sea of glass, like crystal. Around the throne, and on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind, the first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature... With a face like a human face, and the fourth living creature like a flying eagle, and the fourth living creatures, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, and full of eyes all around and inside. Day and night without ceasing, they sing: Holy, 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 the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. But Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks, or and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall before the one who is seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, singing you, are worthy our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created if you are one of John's followers in Ephesus you know exactly what he's talking about I know listen people i understand you have seen domitian you have seen the emperor of rome on the throne and for hundreds of years our people have been subjugated first babylon then assyria then greece and rome and we have been a conquered people who have suffered we have been on the outside looking in for hundreds of years this is the people of god that have written the new testament and i know that when you look At the throne, you see Domitian, this harsh ruler that even the Romans didn't like. (laughs) I know that's what you see. Maybe there's something we can learn from people who have lived experiences of oppression and injustice for hundreds of years. Maybe there's something we can learn from them, even if their world is so different like ours. Could you imagine John being here with us today? You get to vote, (laughs) you get to have a say in your laws and who is in authority over you, really? You, when your rulers, when the people in authority over you do things you don't like, you can go out in the street and publicly scold them and publicly say how much you dislike what they've done. You can let your outrage Go on in that way? What? (laughs) Maybe we have something to learn from people who have suffered in ways that are different from me, such as the African-American community that for over 400 years has suffered various forms of oppression and injustice in our own borders. Now, I want to be frank. I mean, I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. My grandparents and parents have Pretty much long since been deceased and we didn't inherit any wealth. But my experience is not the same. How do people continue to push forward? How do we keep hope alive? How do we continue to work towards a more just and right world? How can you even keep going? How do you have the strength I don't know, what if we could ask John Lewis, how did you have hope after you were beaten at the end of the Edmund Pettus Bridge? How did you sustain hope? How did Frederick Douglass sustain hope after his house was burned to the ground? How did John Lewis, or even why would he continue working so hard after the Civil Rights Act was passed? Why would he not feel that his job was done? Why did he keep working? Why did Frederick Douglass also not stop working when the Emancipation Proclamation was made, when the 13th was a 14th, 15th amendments were enacted? Why did he keep working so hard? I, someone had shared with me uh, after George Floyd's funeral, uh, some comments by Dr. Cornell West uh, on the news, and he had said, you have to understand something. My community, we are not going to be led into a place of hatred of others. We are going to use our energies to put a smile on the face of those who are suffering. And that is a weird kind of love. It's those songs that we. Or those the song that we just sang. Our hearts are torn. And maybe this week has caused you to weep and cry. And if so, you are in wonderful company because the song that we just sang, that the Lord God has plans for a bright future and a hope and to prosper you and to not harm you, that was written by Jeremiah, who is known as the weeping prophet. If you wept this week, you are in good company because our faith is one that feels something. Jeremiah wrote a whole collection of laments in your Bible called the Lamentations. And why wouldn't he? His entire people were conquered by an invading army. If you felt some sense of outrage, so did Jesus, so did the other prophets. You are in good company. But you continue to be in good company when we act out of love for those who are suffering. When we remember it's not about us. When we remember that none of us sit on that throne, John is reminding the people, and maybe us, that we can put people on that throne and they can enact laws and policies that will affect us but it is Jesus Christ who sits on the throne and rules over our lives. Maybe that's why it hurts so much seeing these election results throughout this whole week because we have been praying that God would prosper and not harm us. It is our prayer weekly in this church when we say, our Lord thy God, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May those who are in authority over us and creating laws, may we, as we vote on those propositions, may we make this place more like heaven. May we make this place more a reflection of God's will and not our own. How do you keep hope? How do you keep going? after weeks and after a year like this. It is a matter of justice and of love. Dr. West said that same interview, he said, you know, I've been at this for 50 years, man, and I'm tired, but I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna keep going. I'll be all right. And he said, because that kind of love that compels me to do this, I do it for my daughter, I do it for my children, I do it. Why do you do it? You do it for your grandchildren, for your nephews and nieces, for your neighbors, for your community, for the people you work with. You do it for your church. You do it for my children. Thank you. That is why you will keep going. That is why we will keep pressing on, regardless of who wins, because we are not there yet. We will keep marching on Dr. West continues, he says, you've got to understand something. That kind of love is tragic. That kind of love is cruciform. And I wonder if he had the cross in mind when he said that. He went on to say that kind of love has only one end result, and that is crucifixion, when you suffer on behalf of others. So... Maybe some of this describes you, where you, the, the things we do, we are doing it out of a sense of love for the poor or the oppressed, those who are hurting and those who are suffering. And maybe you hear all this and think, gosh, I will keep working, but I'm suffering right now. I'm hurting right now. I have been hurting all week. How do I love even my family members and my friends after the things that I have seen them say publicly? How can I love them? If you're suffering, I want you to know that we are with you. That we suffer together. That we are for you and we are with you. And we will not give up on you. Just this past week, We accepted some new members into our midst and we pledged in covenant to one another to encourage and lift one another up, sharing the good news of the gospel. The good news that the lamb, the one who was slaughtered, the one who suffered, Jesus Christ, is our ruler. It's not me, it's not you, and it's not anyone else that we put in authority. May we hold them to account because of the freedoms we have. May we do what the people of our faith have done for centuries and speak up for those who suffer. And if you are suffering today, know that we are with you. We feel your pain and you are in wonderful company. And may we also remember when we go uh, shopping and we hold the coins in our own hands and look at those people that we've held up as authorities in our life, those people that we have placed in positions of honor in our life. May we remember as John reminded his followers. that Jesus is the one on the throne. May we be reminded when we hear those patriotic songs that this is a wonderful country to live in, that we are very fortunate, but Jesus is the one on the throne. And may we remember when we hear that song, holy, 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 is the lord god almighty that we do not direct it at any one person that we direct it
5: to the creator of all things amen
1: continues to be so much happening in the life of this community, and I do invite you to get involved. This afternoon at 3.30, we will be having another outdoor worship service at Westminster. We invite you to come. It is not too late to join us, uh, but it is important that you RSVP in advance, so simply find the sign-up link on our website, or you can email me and let me know that you are planning to attend this afternoon. This coming Wednesday at 9.30 a.m. Ruthie is offering a special hymn sing. All are welcome over Zoom. Again, if you would like to participate, you can find the link on our website or let me know and I can send it to you. Ruthie does wonderful things with this hymn sing. Not only is it a chance to sing together while on mute, but she offers some beautiful history and stories of the hymns that are quite interesting. So I invite you to participate in that if the time works for you. And then finally, I hope that you received in the mail the letter explaining our return to indoor worship. This will happen on November 29th. We will have two services, one at 10.30 that is very family friendly, one at 9.15 that will be only for adults, You are going to need to sign up in advance each week for these services. Um, The link for that is right on the homepage of our website, very obvious. But if you need help or don't want to use the link, you can always just let Rob or me know that you want to sign up for worship. Um, All the safety regulations will be followed. Uh, We are looking for people who are willing to help usher. Our ushers are going to be very important because they're going to be the ones making sure that people are staying safe. So if you would be willing to usher for our indoor worship services, please let me know and we'll have a training for that soon. And now let us join together in our closing hymn.
0: now as you move on to the next thing in your day, may you move on knowing that Jesus Christ, the Lord, Savior, and creator of all, sits on the throne. Amen.